0: The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries.
1: This is the Nonprofit Hour program here on X Ray FM. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Jason Dennington. Every year, Willamette Week's Give Guide awards the Skidmore Prize honoring nonprofit staff members nominated for demonstrating excellence, passion, and commitment to the work that they do every day on behalf of others. Every week throughout the end of this year, we've been speaking with one of the Skidmore Prize winners about their work, as well as featuring interviews with several of the varied organizations participating in this year's Give Guide. In the second half of the show, we feature an organization participating in this year's Give Guide through a conversation recorded at one of our nonprofit hour live shows from the Waypost on North Williams with Elise Downing of Sisters of the Road. First, we're gonna start out the show with the final Skidmore Prize winner of our series, Jasmine Pettit of Outside In. We'll first listen to her speech at GiveGuide's kickoff celebration at Revolution Hall, followed by her conversation with Phil Bussey.
2: Our final winner is Jasmine Pettit. (laughs) Kathy Oliver, Executive Director for Outside In, had this to say about Jasmine. Jasmine Hart is with this population of young people who quite literally have no other advocates. We can't imagine her doing anything else simply because she values the youth so much. She has has already made such a huge impact in the programs that she has worked for and the youth she has connected with, but she will continue to do the same mission-driven work over the course of her career. Please welcome Jasmine and Jane Smith from Willamette Week who will present her award.
3: Thank you and Week for honoring me with this Skidmore Award. I think it's easy to go through life believing that it's all sharp edges. It takes such power, resilience, and vulnerability to look for the good things all around you instead. When it is not possible for the youth I work with to hold that sort of hope for themselves, I'm proud that they trust me to hold that hope for them until they're able to take it back. Through my job, I have learned so much about building community, the power of connection, and the importance of telling people that you care about them. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're using drugs, or if you're experiencing mental health symptoms, you deserve community, love, and happiness, now. Not once you stop using, not after you get stable, you deserve the good things in your life immediately. I see you. No matter how you feel in this moment, no matter how dark it might seem, you will not always feel the way that you do right now. I used to think that feeling was was The feeling better was something far outside my reach but things changed because I changed. I would like to thank Outside In, where I've spent nearly a third of my life now. I've become a much more badass version of myself than I ever would have become without it. Thank you to Heather Brown for seeing something in me back when I started at 21 and continuing to find ways for me to move forwards and keep learning. Thank you to my husband, Metro, who continues to make me laugh when I feel the least capable of doing so. Uh, And thank you to Brandon, who started out as a coworker and then became my closest friend. Many of the things that I'm most proud of personally and professionally uh, would never have been possible without 10 years of your support and friendship. Uh, Lastly, I'm grateful for the ghosts and the empty spaces that I have now, where people I love used to be, no matter how much they keep breaking my heart. I think about the clients I've lost every day and the impact that they had on me. And I'm thankful to all of them. So in most days, I just try and remember this. Life is short, these days are finite. Surround yourself with people that build you up and pursue joy.
4: This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I am pleased to be in the studio with uh, Jasmine Pettit, Pettit. You Pettit got it. Um, who is a alcohol and drug specialist at Outside In, which is a very important organization here in Portland that works with uh, teens. I-, I always get the age group wrong. Uh, 13 to 19.
3: 18
4: to 25. 18 to 25. Yeah. OK. Uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you. And congratulations on the Skidmore Prize Award. Thank you so much. And, and so I, I just want to start talking. We're going to talk about your job in a little bit, but I want to talk about the award. some. Um, how, how did you find out that you got this award?
3: Uh, I checked my email, and there was like a congratulations, you got this thing, which I didn't know that I was nominated for. Uh, and then much later in my inbox, there's an email from my boss being like, hey, apparently we nominated you for this thing. They might be getting back with you about it, <laughs> but I didn't know.
4: That's uh, the, the wrong sequence of events there. Yeah,
3: probably should have been the other way, but
4: and, and it was did, a good surprise. Did you know much about the Give Guide or the Skidmore Prize before this?
3: Um, The person uh who got me into this profession accidentally by saying hey like you need to pay rent you need like maybe you should apply for this job um actually won last year uh and so i knew about it from that and the person who runs our needle exchange also has won it before okay Um, so it's familiar ish
4: and and you recently had to give a speech uh a a... It's not really, isn't it an acceptance speech? Is that what we call it?
3: Yeah. Um, the people at Skinmore talked about it being like an Emmy style speech. So a lot of thank yous and only two minutes long.
4: And um, how do you like public speaking?
3: Not so much. <laughs> uh, not my favorite. But uh, in the last couple of years, I've tried really hard to do stuff like per- particularly stuff that I am most challenged by. And public speaking is definitely one of them. So how did it go? I think it went really well. I did a lot of crying afterwards, um, but beforehand, I think I was pretty good. Uh, memorized most of it, so I didn't have to look at my paper too often.
4: Well done, well done, and and it's fun. We we've we've been really uh, happy to interview the other four Skidmore Prize winners, and uh, each of you are are impressive in your own regard and are doing great work. But it must have been fun to be there as a group.
3: It it was fun. Uh, we didn't get to like, we, I think we met once before to do like a little run through rehearsal of the event. Um, and then the actual night of the event, there, all of us and all the people that were presenting the awards like with us uh, were packed into a very small space. And we couldn't speak out loud because um, things were happening on the stage and we were backstage. So it was lots of us being very, very like shoulder to um, shoulder and whispering encouragement to each other and shaking a lot and like comparing how much each of our hands were shaking.
4: <laughs> Jasmine Pettit is, is, works at Outside In and is one of the winners of the Skidmore Prize Award. You know, let's take a quick song break and then I'm going to come right back and, and talk a little bit more about Outside Inn and the work that you do there. Do you have a song to suggest?
3: Yeah, I'd like to listen to uh, Holy Water by Astronautilus.
4: Sounds good.
5: Well, it's hope, it's hope that has me staring to the burning sky. I know, I know there's something hidden on the other side. I woke, I woke with such a feeling I could never rise. Now I'm gazing skyward till the sun just burns me me blind. Burn me blind. Burn me blind. Burn me blind. for life, oh. while another slipped the sewing can ride inside his eye. Yeah. And they ran out from the city, calling, collecting salts and light, yeah. cracking, crush should burn it, maybe baby, baby, finally got inside, yeah. got inside, got inside. Yeah!
4: Nonprofit hour we have been talking with uh, all five of the skidmore prize award winners who are part of willamette week's give guide jasmine pettit is joining us in the studio from she is the alcohol and drug specialist a alcohol and drug specialist at outside in I, i'm imagining is there more than one there's two there's two and just can you give the general idea what outside in does
3: i can which is quite a lot um We have a youth department and a clinic, so the clinic is going to offer its medical care for people that are uninsured or underinsured, Um, but we also help people get signed up for insurance, of course. Uh, And then the youth department has housing, drop-in services, case management. Um, We have a formalized treatment program for substance use and mental health, as well as my program, which is very informal, low barrier, like come into my office and just hang out with me and maybe we'll talk about drugs eventually once you trust me, but you know, no big deal. We can just wait. Um, and then we do lots of other things. We have the needle exchange. Uh, we have mobile outreach. There's like a van that drives around and offers medical outreach in places where people are probably not getting medical care. Um, tattoo removal, uh, a lot of alternative care. So like acupuncture, massage, Chinese medicine, that kind of stuff.
4: And, and I mean, the, the, You said you have outreach programs, but also a lot of uh, youth, I imagine, are coming to you.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that you can't be homeless in Portland very long without finding out about us.
4: And and I, I, I would expect that part of once a youth comes to you, he or she has some idea that they want some help.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think if nothing else, I mean, they might come in because they want a shower, or or they want to use the phone, or they want to eat breakfast. Um, so it might be like basic needs stuff in the beginning. Um, but the more time they spend there, the more they're building uh, relationships and rapport with people. And so eventually, when they do want to start making changes, they already have the people in their lives that are able to help them do that.
4: And uh, can we take a step back a little bit and just talk about some numbers? How many? How many? Youth uh, are believed to be homeless on any given night in Portland?
3: I, I'm honestly not sure. It, it ranges pretty drastically. Um, I know that Outside In sees about 11,000 people a year.
4: 11,000?
3: Mm-hmm. Which includes, it's not just youth, that's just people. So that includes the clinic as well.
4: And and how many of those people are coming in and, and have some sort of uh, issue with alcohol or drugs? A problem?
3: Um... It, it's difficult to say because I don't – it doesn't actually matter whether they do or not when they come in my door. People can come in and engage with me whether they whether they do or not. So I would say the majority of people I'm speaking to do have some sort of uh, recovery thing they want to work on um, or will eventually start to work on because we do a lot of mental health recovery work as well. Um, but – yeah, like they, they we don't. It's not like they're screened for it when they walk in the door, um, and it's being homeless is really really hard. And so people who would not otherwise normally have an issue with drugs or alcohol uh, can easily develop one because they are outside and it's terrible.
4: Yeah, and 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 so I mean, obviously you have um, a rep, you build a rapport with these individuals, but are are there things that you find yourself saying? again and again, in some of those first meetings with people.
3: I mean, in the first meetings, it's really a lot of, uh, watching YouTube videos of cute animals and, um, them showing me videos that they like. And, uh, we eat a lot of candy in the office. It's a lot of people like napping in my office while I do paperwork because they don't have anywhere else to be that they're not constantly asked to leave. Um, so, I mean, that's really like the beginning stuff. It's, it's all like super low barrier th- because people might not even be remotely ready to mention that they do drugs. Like that might be something that they don't want to disclose until later.
4: What, what about then are, at, at, at a certain point, I would, I would imagine that the relationship or the conversation turns to you can change your habits. Mm-hmm. I, are there are there easy suggestions that you have for how somebody can change their habits? I mean, that's... that's a, I mean, I don't a... think
3: anything's easy about it, unfortunately. Um, I think a lot of it is, like, what what are you doing with your time? Um, if, if you are bored, boredom is your enemy. Um, I think routine is a really big deal. Uh, so being able to have, like, positive people in your life, positive places to spend time. Um, more than anything else, people... Uh, I think people caring about other people. So... People who use drugs often don't have the best self-image, especially when they're homeless. And so if we can support people to just honestly like care about themselves more, I think that it is harder for them to continue doing things that are unhealthy because they just care about themselves more. Uh, and they they don't necessarily have the ability to care for themselves or have hope yet at that time. So it's a lot of us holding hope for people until they're able to take it back for themselves.
4: And I I would think it's also it's a it's an odd balance. I mean, alcohol and drugs in of themselves are not bad things. And and it's, you know, and and often can be uh, social. Uh, Yeah,
3: absolutely. I mean, I talk a lot about how, like, I don't think any individual substance is inherently evil. It's not like heroin. It is evil. No, but the consequences um, that it's going to have on your life, like, that that's what we're talking about. So if this person, we do a lot of harm reduction work. And so if this person is able to drink on the weekends and still find a job or still follow through with things they want to do in their life, fine, do that, whatever. Uh, it's much more about, like, it—is this substance becoming a barrier to the things that you want? Um, relationships, not going to jail, all in-game, picked up all the time um, losing your job all the time. You, like your girlfriend dumps you for the seventh time that, that kind of stuff. Like what kind of consequences is it having? Is it getting in the way of the things that you want? Then maybe it's something that we need to make some changes around and it doesn't mean you have to stop using it entirely. Um, or it means maybe you stop using that thing, but you keep using the other thing and that's okay too.
4: And, 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 and the goal, uh, for outside in is, is for the individuals that outside in works with self-sufficiency.
3: Yeah. And and to be able to and an improved quality of life, whatever that means to them. Okay. Because not everybody wants to live indoors and have a job and go to school. That's not everybody's goal. But I think everybody just wants to feel good.
4: And and how often? Like, what's what's the average length of a relationship that you have with these individuals? I mean, I imagine some drop in, and maybe you never see them again. And there's probably some others that you see for months and years
3: absolutely i mean there's definitely people there that will come in and they don't need much they just need like a step up they need a a place to pause for a moment um get some food get some like stay in the shelters that kind of thing and then pretty swiftly they're, they're out they didn't need us for much and then there's folks who have some like really significant stuff that they need to work on um i have been there next month will be 11 years and uh, there's definitely people that I've known for that entire duration of time.
4: Jasmine Pettit is alcohol and drug specialist at Outside In and one of the winners of the Skidmore Prize Award. Let's have another song.
3: All right, this is going to be uh, Sky for Shoeing Horses Under by the band Why.
5: Say it. The kind of morph with a gong to tell you when But the rules, rules bend And the staff will make you laugh My dad wore this face in old photographs Calico cats out scare me from behind a junkyard fence I don't gotta let my stare go soft. My bottom teeth, and look at the sidewalk in front of me as my tennis shoes go in and out of the frame. Another slew footed empty ride walking on goose eggs in the mission. Swap me, brown 31 fishnet, hat cocked to the right. I only played chess once in my life, and I lost.
4: The nonprofit hour. We are talking with Jasmine Pettit, who is one of the Skidmore Prize award winners and an alcohol and drug specialist at Outside In. You have been at Outside In, you said before a music break for over a decade, eleven years. Yeah. Do you remember your first day on the job?
3: Uh, I remember my first. Yeah, I guess I do. Like the, the we have a day program, and where people mostly just like eat meals, um, get some basic needs met, use the computer. Um, and on the first day they, they really just like ushered me into that room. They're like, okay, go talk to them. Go, go. Um, which is nerve wracking. It's kind of that weird, like high school feeling of like, who do I sit with? I don't know. Maybe they don't like me. Uh, but doubled kind of because it's your job to go talk to people. Um, and I went and sat by somebody who just like had her head down on the table and like her hood up and was, very unhappy to, that I had sat with her, um, and was very very grouchy with me. Um, but uh, I've known her for probably that entire time now, and it's, I ever, every once in a while I still hear from her, and she is doing great.
4: What brought you to that job?
3: <clears throat> Complete accident. I was working retail, and I really really didn't want to be doing that anymore, and had been doing it for a long time, and I'm pretty sure, or my I was at the time I was. Fairly certain that my boss was going to fire me, um, and was mentioning it to a friend, and they were like, "Well, like outside in is hiring for this peer mentor job, which he had, was working at the time, and I was like, Oh okay, I don't, I don't, I, I've never thought of that.'" I yeah, why not? Okay, and then I applied for it, and so complete happenstance. Um, and then after I did it for a few minutes, I was like, "Oh man, this, this, this is what I was missing. Like, this is what I wanted to do." And, and what what qualities do you think
4: that outside in saw in you? uh You know, not necessarily coming from from uh, social services background.
3: Well, the cool yeah. thing about being a peer mentor that position it's um, that you were hired for not from your uh, professional experience at all. It's specifically a position for entry-level folks that have some sort of lived experience. So it can be homelessness, mental health, um, addiction, uh, like foster care experience in the the system, anything, that have at least one year of sobriety and stability and are able to come back and offer some sort of like one-on-one supports and engagement with people. Um, So people get into that job without having to have anything other than like their life the experience that they've learned from. And
4: for 11 years is it's a, that's a long time. A lot of people I imagine, how do you stay resilient?
3: I feel, I mean, it varies. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I need to not be at work and take time off and take care of myself and go hang out with all the people that make me feel good and build me up and remind me of all the hopeful things in the world. Um, having really close relationships with some coworkers who are able to kind of uh, help you pause and and remind you that everything is good still. Um, I'm really good at compartmentalizing at this point. Um, So being able to be like, okay, that was really, really hard. And I'm gonna put that in a box in my brain over here and I'm gonna close that box until six o'clock when I get home tonight and I'll open it up and deal with that then, but right now, I'm just closing it off. And I would feel, I feel like one of the, my, my favorite things that I've learned from this position is to not take anything personally, like literally anything. So the fact that somebody can be up in my face and yelling at me and I can be like, "They, this is not about me. This is like their trauma. This is their entire history that they're yelling at me with right now. And I am just the face of what they're yelling at, but this is not, there's nothing to do with me. I can just stand here. I can feel that my adrenaline is coming up and I can just like, let it go back down. It's fine. I have time. It's not personal. Which is a nice thing because now I can do that in my real life too.
4: <laughs> it's a, it's a, a fantastic skill to have. Uh, just to just to wrap up the, our conversation, um, what what did receiving the Skidmore Prize award what does it mean to you?
3: Um, <clears throat> I think that a lot of our work is invisible. Um, home, like how many people, like how many homeless people do you pass on the street, and you. They, they ask you for change and people just look away or they pretend that their headphones are too loud and you didn't even hear them. Um, so the work we're doing is with people that the city tries to make invisible. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing them like I want them to feel seen by me, by all of us. Um, and so if we're, if we're working with invisible people, like we're also doing invisible work and it is kind of uh, an, like it, it's an immense like honoring feeling to be acknowledged for something that we've been doing for so long uh, and then to have everybody like actually see you doing it
4: jasmine pettit thank you so much for the work that you do uh, jasmine pettit is an alcohol and drug specialist with outside in congratulations on the award one more song to take us out
3: yeah can we listen to modest mouses talk about a pretty sunset
4: sounds great thank you
3: thank you
1: Nick Johnson, who organizes practically everything about the Give Guide, is a, putting in his last two or three months. He has, among other things, found a spectacular replacement for himself and helped us get ready for going forward. But I got one request from all of you, which is Nick's
0: request for this year, 10,000 donors, 3.6 million dollars,
4: and second, we have made a special plaque for Nick. It's called, it's called True Give Guide Excellence, and I want to give it to him now. Thank you. Go.
1: Thank you. you, don't you,
2: Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this, okay. <laughs> um, I want to thank the Skidmore Prize winners uh, one more time. Can we give them a huge round of applause? So we have five people up on stage tonight, and we had four other finalists, but um, in my five years, I've worked with countless people who uh, deserve this Skidmore Prize. And when you think about the people in this room, and the people in this city, uh, and then beyond in the state, and the thousands of nonprofits that are filling gaps that um, we wish and hoped our elected officials could take care of. But they're not waiting for them to do that. They're just doing it, and they're finding a way. I want to just um, thank you so much. I, I am unlike many young people, youngish people. I grew up in Portland, uh, and there are groups in this organ, in this guide every year that impacted my life. Uh, to, at, as a young child, I ran around Wallace Park for Young for the Audiences to raise money for the arts, at like f- age five, and so. <laughs> Uh, I got indoctrinated into uh, charitable giving at a young age. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, enjoy the evening. Have a lovely night, and uh, we got some work to do in the next two months, but I know What's we're going to get there. The Prize winners? <laughs> One more time for the Skidmore Prize winners. Thank you. Have a great night.
1: Thanks to Skidmore Prize winner Jasmine Pettit for joining us to tell us about the work she and Outside In are doing. And an extra special thank you to Nick Johnson of Willamette Week's GiveGuide for working with the Nonprofit Hour on this series of shows and for all the great work he's done over the years with GiveGuide. He will surely be missed by many in the Portland nonprofit community as he moves to a new stage in his career, but he has much success to be proud of. This year, GiveGuide completed with over 12,000 donations, raising more than $4 million for 142 Portland-area organizations. Thanks, Nick and Willamette Week, for all you've done for our city's vital organizations. And while the fundraising finished on December 31st, the work for the coming year doesn't stop there. Head on over to GiveGuide.org to learn about some of these groups and consider volunteering some of your time to them maybe applying for a position on their board, or, yes, even making an additional financial contribution. There's a lot of work to be done in our community in the upcoming year, and the organizations in the Give Guide, as well as a multitude of others that were not even represented there this year, can use your help to bring us to a brighter future. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Nonprofit Hour from the Media Institute for Social Change on X-Ray FM. To become a supporting member of the Media Institute and find out more about their work, you can visit mediamakingchange.org. Members receive annual benefits and support programs such as the Nonprofit Hour and their Summer Documentary Program. The Nonprofit Hour is also brought to you in part by generous support from Pacific Continental Bank and BusinessWorks. Find out more at therightbank.com or BusinessWorksPDX.com. We also receive support from Living Room Realty, who are committed to living and doing business with meaning, and Ristretto Roasters, locally owned and small batch roasted since 2005, four cafes in urban Portland, and available at local markets and online. More info at RRPDX.com now we turn to Phil Bussey in conversation with Elise Downing of Sisters of the Road, one of the organizations we'd like to congratulate for making the top 10 for overall donations in this year's Give Guide.
4: Our next guest, uh, Elise Downing, is a development co-manager for Sisters of the Road. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. It's great to be here.
4: Yeah, and, and so uh, just paint a, paint a picture of what a typical day... Well, let, let's start. Where is Sisters of the Road?
6: Uh, Sisters of the Road uh, is and has been located on the corner of Northwest 6th and Davis in Old Town for 36 and a half years, something like that, since 1979. Um, so we're a cafe and a community space right there in the corner.
4: Yeah, I mean, sister, of the Road is truly an institution. I mean, both has been there for uh, since 1979. And we'll talk about uh, some of the things that have changed and a lot that has not changed. Mm-hmm. Um, can we start with, can you just paint a typical picture of a typical lunch hour or a typical day?
6: Yeah. Uh, so... Our staff comes in at 7 a.m. to start cooking lunch from scratch. Um, We use local organic produce. We're supported by a ton of awesome farms and businesses around the region, which is great. So our cooks come in at 7 and cook for two hours. And then we open our doors at 9.15 for folks to use the bathroom, just come in and get warm, and to sign up for work for the day and to sign up to eat with us. Um, So basically... Almost everyone in our cafe contributes to running the operation, washing dishes, busing tables, serving plates, uh, getting drinks, mopping floors, whatever it is. Um, So folks sign up for that work and that's what uh, allows them to pay for their meals. Um, And then they also sign up for slots to eat, sort of like a reservation. Um, That way folks can come in in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to come back at 1 p.m. and eat some lunch. But right now I'm going to go to TPI and get a shower and check my mail. And then I'm going to have a meeting with my caseworker and then I'm going to come here. Um, and just preserving dignity that way so that folks don't have to spend their whole day waiting in a line just to get something in their bellies.
4: Yeah, and, and, and part of the mission is is one relationship at a time. So, yeah. I mean, clearly clearly that is what Sisters of the Road do. How many people are coming through uh, the kitchen, through the, through the lunch hall, through the doors every day? Uh,
6: we serve about 230 meals a day. Um, that goes up and down a little bit depending on the time of the month. So um, it was just the end of the month and of April, um, and so we have every single reservation slot is taken, every hospitality meal, every way that folks can eat is taken on at the end of the month, and and sometimes that's not as true in the beginning of the month. Folks have a little bit more support and Wiggle Room.
4: I, I, explain that a little bit more. I mean, so, yeah. so people are starting um, off, I mean, that, that's just the, an economic cycle?
6: Yeah, so I would say about half or more of the folks who eat with us uh, have a job or receive funding of some kind for their life, whether that's, um, you know, they were injured in a car accident and they have a payout from a lawsuit, or they are a veteran on disability, they're living off of social security, Um, those sorts of things. And so you get those checks at the beginning of the month, every month, and they only get you so far. And so we see um, a lot of those folks who just can't quite make it to the end of the paycheck or can't quite make it at the end of the month um, there are certain folks that you know come in. I only see them at the end of the month uh, because they you know live out in Barlow and they're a janitor, and the paycheck just doesn't last, and so they need to come by and and have some support and and some friendly faces. So we see some folks only at the end end of the month and some folks every day.
4: And 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 uh, your mission talks about a, a quote dignified space. I mean, mm-hmm. you've obviously been talking about what that means. I mean, does that does that outlaw then food fights?
6: Uh, you know, I would say we we probably. I don't think I've seen a food fight. Uh, you know, as long as it's kind, and maybe everyone who's participating is consenting and like cleans up after themselves. Like I think it'd be maybe it'd be okay.
4: All right, yeah. good. As long as it's dignified. Yeah. And and I I think one of the things that's really interesting is that that uh, the price is always a dollar fifty. I mean. Yeah. I, You talk a lot about people coming in and they work, they help prep the Mm -hmm. food, they clean up. I mean, so it's really, it starts with that idea there's no free lunch.
6: Yeah, there's, um, we have a few caveats to that which are grant supported. um, You know, free meals for folks who can't work due to caregiving obligations or medical disabilities. Um, But otherwise, there's no such thing as a free lunch. (laughs) Um, So we like to honor um, everyone's skill. Um, we always say that everyone holds a piece of the truth, everyone has something valuable to share. Um, and so sometimes that means that you're just really happy to to do your thing, whether that's, we have some folks who wash dishes every day and there's a couple of people who come by who only wash windows and that is their thing and we save that for them and they do that every day and that's theirs. Um, you know, a lot of folks who live outside or live in poverty don't have the dignity to choose very often. Um, And so when they can come to Sisters and know folks and have relationships and be asked, how do you want to pay today? That's a big deal. We assume that everyone who comes through our doors has something to contribute to our space. Um, We don't think that anyone is worth less. Everyone's worth something. So we're happy to honor that. and I think our customers are really happy to share that too.
4: And so the, the price for a meal is dollar fifty, and, yeah. and that's, that's been the same since 1979. No adjustment for inflation? No adjustment
6: for inflation, um, which I think is pretty miraculous. I mean, I would say that we have one of the best cups of coffee that you can get for 25 cents. Mm-hmm. We refill it all day and that is like Stumptown or Courier or Cova. I'm sorry if I forgot any of our wonderful coffee sponsors. Trailhead, that's one. Um, yeah, we have amazing folks who give us amazing, amazing coffee. I drink better coffee at work than I do at home. So. Yeah,
4: I was, I was going <laughs> to ask, I mean, so the, the coffee sounds great, which is, uh, it's a competitive city to have good yes. coffee. In, and then the food's good?
6: The food is great. I eat lunch in the cafe every day. Uh, we have the Sisters Classic, which is... Uh, Rice, beans, and cornbread with butter and house-made salsa, which I must say, if you ever come by, everyone's welcome, Uh, but you have to get the salsa because the salsa is like really, really good. Um, So beans, rice, and cornbread every day, and then we also have a special every day, uh, usually with a vegetarian option too, so that's things like, what did we have this week? We had a mushroom and bacon potato chowder, I think, yesterday with salad and a... Jalapeno cornbread muffin. That was that was Friday. Portland. It's, uh, it's pretty great.
4: Por- Portland is a foodie town for sure.
6: <laughs> yeah, and we like to make sure that everyone has access to that food culture, no matter what your income level is.
4: I want to take a quick music break. You brought in some songs. Is there one that you want to have us play right now?
6: Uh, sure. So one song of my list is especially special. It's called Sisters of the Road and it's written by a local musician named Casey Neal. Casey's a great friend of Sisters and he wrote a song just about us.
4: Elise Downing is the development co-manager for Sisters of the Road. Let's take a listen.
0: Falls relentless on these
1: streets
0: Chills you to the very bone It's coming down tonight in Portland town And folks are warm inside their home Trina, she came from Missouri After her mother passed on To get away from her old man Who needed someone to take it out on so she took up with the crusty boys in their fingerless gloves. Here in the Oregon streets she found a family again to love. And they dumpstered their food, snuck into the shows, took what shelter they could find. Never once did she regret leaving the life she left behind. And your friends become your family And lighten a heavy load With Abby and DC Louise She was a sister of the road (laughs) Trina fell for a punk named Silver From Southern Illinois Who'd been living on the streets of the West Coast since he was a thirteen-year-old boy. He knew every free meal and stomped down every dry place to keep warm. And he'd take her to him when the darkness fell and they'd lie in each other's arms. Silver hustled now and again in the drunk man's cars scars ran up and down his arms like the tracks in the rail yards when he'd offer it to her you know she never wants to get beneath the i-5 i his teeth clenched to a tourniquet and the cops found his body by the train tracks where he'd hop the line to Frisco. But well, for the last year of his life, he loved a sister of the road. <laughs> Trina found her way up off the streets, works in a clinic downtown. And all the kids she used to know, well, she never sees them around. But there are more where they came from, cast aside and left behind. Walking down a cold hard road and strung out on the line. For the old hobos, the migrant laborers, the lost and the wayward. where a buck 25 will get you a plate of eggs and beans and there's nothing like a cup of coffee when the winter winds blow cold you can find them down in old town on sixth the the sisters of the road you can find them down in old town on sixth the, the sisters of the
4: Uh, that was Sisters of the Road, uh, about Sisters of the Road, <laughs> who we are talking about, which is a fantastic organization that has been in existence, has been uh, an institution really in Portland for uh, 37 years. Am I doing yeah. my math right?
6: Yeah, we opened in November of 1979, so it was a little, I'm always not sure quite how to count, but I will say 37 because it sounds slightly more impressive.
4: And, and Sisters of the Road, where did the name come from? Are we, am I thinking Sisters and Nuns hab- Habits?
6: Uh, not Sisters in Nun Habits. We're not a Catholic organization. We're a non-religious organization. Um, so the name comes from uh, what women who traveled on the roads, hopped trains, lived outside, ca- called themselves in the 70s, and that was Sisters of the Road. Um, so we took that that title for ourselves sort of to pay homage to those, those women um, and to sort of demonstrate that we are always striving to be a safe space for women and children um, because the streets are an especially violent place. Um, Yeah. Not to be a downer, but the statistics on domestic violence for folks living outside are like... Real, real not good. Um,
4: and, and, and and let's talk a little bit about, uh, not necessarily that, but let's talk about the neighborhood where Sisters of mm-hmm. the Road is, has changed a certain amount, and yeah. certainly Portland at large has changed a lot since the late 70s, and certainly in the, the last mm-hmm. couple of years. How is that affecting Sisters of the Road? Are your services changing, or is there the same demand? Is there more demand? Do you need to do things differently now?
6: Um, I would say the changing neighborhood is definitely something we're talking about, uh, it's definitely something that has changed the way we work a little bit. Um, when we opened in 1979, Old Town Chinatown was very much a skid row, um, and you didn't really go there, you know. Um, And now it's a place where we see a lot of cross-class interaction which for us as an organization is something we are promoting and striving to create um, personal relationships regardless of income. Um, So that for us is really cool. It allows us to do our work in an interesting way. Um, The landscape of our neighborhood also makes it really a lot more challenging for the folks we serve. Um, The folks who eat with us, Used to live outside in our neighborhood and no one really bothered them. I mean, that's not, there's always been a lot of police harassment for folks who live outside, but um, Old Town Chinatown used to be a place that folks who live outside got pushed. Um, and with the development of the Pearl and all the amazing development of Portland as a city that we've seen in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, um, Old Town Chinatown's a place that people want to be. Uh, It's a place where property values are going up. It's a place where people walk with their families on the weekend. Um, And so it's no longer a place that the city ignores. Um, It's a place where folks who live outside are asked to, you know, skedaddle. and that means that life in our neighborhood is a little bit harder for our customer community. Um, folks have to travel longer to get to us from where they sleep. Um, so sometimes that's North Portland, sometimes that's Southeast. Um, and so I think we have a, a, you know, we're dealing with it the best we can. Um, we would we have a lot of daydreams about, you know, a Sisters of the Road 2 that's on the east side or a Sisters of the Road cart or something like that. Um, But for now, what we do have on the east side is our Greeley Garden, which we run in cooperation with um, the Urban Farm Collective, and uh, so that's a space where we grow produce that we sell in the cafe. Um, We use it in the kitchen, and we also sell it at our farm stand, which is open every Saturday during growing season, which I think for us is going to start in a a couple of weeks, probably next week, first week into May. So that is a place where our community works together outside, um, and some of our community members live out there, too. Uh, So that's what we have going on the east side for now. Um, It'd be great if all of the resources were in places where folks could access them, but we aren't there yet. So um, for now, we're just staying put because everyone knows how to find us.
4: And, and you came to your position at Sisters of the Road through community organization, community organizing and environmental justice. Uh, it sounds like some of those elements are at Sisters of the Road, but can you expand a little bit on what you see as the connection between your previous work and, and what you're doing now?
6: Yeah. Uh, so I started organizing when I was in college around the environment and, you know, climate action and climate justice and what does that look like. Um, and... For me, I came to learn a lot about how poverty, about how economics determines whether or not you have access to a healthful environment, whether or not you have high rates of cancer, whether or not you have a park to go play in, um, you know, whether or not you have a yard, whether or not you can access a grocery store. Um, So our urban environment very much defines our success in society, um, and those environments aren't distributed randomly. Um, So for me, I started out as an environmentalist who wasn't ever really sure how to feel about that. Like, oh, this title doesn't feel that great to me. Um, And I, as I organized, learned more and more about how those environmentalism and social justice in general are so connected. um, And a big part of that line is poverty, and the other big line is race. Um, So that's... Something that I love about sisters is that we are able to talk about all of the issues we face holistically. Um, and I often say that, you know, sisters is the most diverse place I've ever been, aside from like a city bus. Um, the folks' life experience that I meet every day is just like so varied, um, and it's so fun to hear everyone's stories because everyone has a different everyone has a different one.
4: June 1st is the full plate project. Uh, Can you tell me what that is?
6: Yeah, so that is for us at Sisters, a um, matching donations campaign. So in the months of June and July, if you donate money to Sisters, that um, for every dollar you are matched by a generous pool of donors to um, make those donations go twice as far. Uh, So we are super excited to have the full plate project coming up Um, this year we're really focusing on how we can continue to grow our community together um, through the full support that we get through the full plate project Um, so often that means for us um, you know expanding our food justice program Um, that's our program that uh, farms at Greeley Garden that hosts our farm stand that talks with our community about how we want to move forward what we need to know together um, and like the the barriers that are in place for folks who are trying to access healthful food. Um, so we are excited to keep growing that community, to keep talking about food justice, um, and to keep ensuring that everyone has access to healthy food, regardless of income. And the Full Plate Project just goes amazing distances in helping us to ensure that we reach those goals.
4: Elise Downing is the development co-manager for Sisters of the Road. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And people can join Sisters of the Road for lunch, but do not expect a free lunch.
6: That's right. Lunch is not free.
4: (laughs) Uh, You had one more song to take us out.
6: Yes. Uh, We're going to go out on No Rest for the Weary by the Blue Scholars.
4: Great choice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.
7: up stones till they turn into dust it's tough times in the rough diamonds ain't enough to cover up a corrupted and fucked up legacy is true. Bloody whips and smallpox, trigger happy cops, barbed wire and fire water, y'all it don't stop. When the colonizer came with the cross and the sword, I knew the first spear and said I declare war. I'm a battle scar wearing their apparent, descendant to belong in the of and peasant. So check the work ethic and the name, the lessons might change but the essence of the message to say So when they say anything, say why is it? Class is in session till the teacher gets a big slip I ride the rhythm and vibe a little wine talk And get the concrete to line with your spine I speak to find peace, but it's war all the time It's deep like the drive from Rhett and the shoreline I'm a more mindful guy ever since Finding out that I'm about to be your father And doubt is not an option And now I can't be getting crunk to faded in often So get your hands dirty, cause a Prayer ain't enough, boss. What cross we got? Crucified by buckshot. One million Jesus's and Judas. God is nuts soft. Pages torn out the memory of those who remain. Shackled in the chains of international capital gain. They claim civilized with the animal way Peace to Oakland, I've never been a fan of the A. But some days you can find me inscribing my soul on the page. Every crime has an alibi. Disciplined and organized is how I handle mine. Jacks are spending mad time on their battle rhyme. I can't knock it if you find it entertaining. I rep those whose labor ain't compensated. So check the work ethic in the name. The lessons might change, but the essence of the message is the same. So when they say anything, say, why is it? Class is in session till the teacher gets a big slip. Forty to a class, no wonder we delinquent. Half the school district never make it to commencement. I been the spine of the track until it snap. Pop's working overtime and he got a broken back. Got three little sisters, one brother in Iraq. And mom prays novenas to keep the fam intact. But this song ain't a song waiting for God to answer. Brothers call me dog, they got the letters backwards. I'm back with a plan of attack to repossess my name, face, and history, y'all. Who want to test my capacity to spit caliber shit into a rhythmic lesson? And entertainment's a legitimate weapon, igniting the cypher sessions I'm deciphering life. And blending both theory into practice, I write vernacular. In actual fact got no posturing A thousand points and fingers I defied every one of them I ride for my brethren who carry the burden Of a future uncertain till the fall of the curtain You better move Hold your head high soldier it ain't over yet That's why we call it a struggle You're supposed to sweat Check the work ethic in the name The lessons might change, but the essence of the message is the same. So when they say anything, say, why is it? Class is in session till the teacher gets a pig slip. Crazy landlady trying to switch upon the lease. If she raises up the rent again, it's time to say peace. Peace, peace, and that's my peace. It's still all about the bullet in the belly of the beast. From the east, my brother, we came the lessons might change but the essence of the message is the same so when they say anything say why is it class is in session till the teacher gets a big slip so keep marching till your feet split open No rest for the weary blue scholars keep going <laughs> uh, we're we gonna talk about
1: This week's Nonprofit Hour show. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Hour, and find archives of past shows on our SoundCloud page or free podcasts on the Apple iTunes Store. If you'd like to make a comment or suggestion about an organization we should profile on a future show, please send an email to nph at mediamakingchange.org. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Jasmine Pettit of Outside In and Elise Downing of Sisters of the Road. We'd also like to thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our host Phil Bussey, X-Ray FM, and you, our regular listeners. And a special shout-out to Nick Johnson from Willamette Week's Give Guide for all the help he's given us in producing this series of shows featuring the Skidmore Prize winners. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a great weekend. Join us again next week at 6 a.m. Monday or 1 p.m. on Tuesday for the Nonprofit Hour Show.